Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello everyone, this is Umar Hamid, your host, and welcome to the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategies, and advice on how to make you better, stronger, faster. Get ready for another episode. Hey everyone, welcome to the program. My name is Umar Hamid and I'm your host. And today I have the privilege of having Craig Burst, the founder of Sales Rocket. Craig, welcome to the program. Hi, Umar. The start of 2020 and I'm excited about the year coming up, making my plans and every single sales force on planet Earth is doing the same thing. How can we get our people not only to be motivated at those meetings, but actually go out there and do the things they need to do to make that forecast that quota come true well it's an exciting time of year but my hope is that the goals that they're putting in front of all these reps are realistic i think there's a stat floating around that 85 percent of reps don't meet their annual quota which is a pretty significant number um so hopefully you know we can we can show people some ideas today that will increase that number for them and at least set some realistic expectations so that everybody feels good at the end of the year as sales leaders, but certainly consultants that come into organizations is, you know, who exactly are your customers? Because oftentimes somebody has a pulse, they'll sell to them and they get, uh, you know, a variety of customers, but there's a certain sector of customers that are highly profitable and aren't afraid to spend money. How do you help your clients get the right target? Well, so when I walk into a company and, and again, my company Sales Rocket is a sales enablement technology. I mean, that, that's the premise that Sales Rocket was built on, and it's an amazing tool. Uh, fell in love with it, so wanted wanted, wanted to sell it. Um, what I've realized is that you've got to have these five pillars in place, or whether you have technology or don't, it doesn't matter. <clears throat> and so what I do is I walk into an organization, and the first thing we're talking about is not the technology. We're talking about these five pillars. Before we go there, let's talk about targeting, though. How do you help your clients target the right customers well it's always the, <clears throat> it's always the who and the what um who are you going to sell to and what are you going to sell to them and you know when when you're talking about the who uh, i like to call them your best buyers like who are your best buyers you know each company is different and so you you kind of have to look at what has worked in the past who your verticals are that you own Without naming names, because we want to protect the okay. innocent, can you think of one of your past clients in the last few years where you went in and helped them figure out who their ideal customers were? Like, where were they focused before, and how did you help them target the right customer? Yeah, so one one of my clients um, had, you know, when I say the who and the what, their what had become too expansive. And so they were selling uh, too many product lines, and because of that, they were now selling to smaller organizations. And it doesn't matter what sale you're making, the sales cycles still take time and they take resources. So what I was able to do is kind of narrow yes. their focus into, hey, your most profitable is this, and here's who you should sell it to. Let's not even look at companies that are under 25 employees or, or, or in a particular vertical. For this particular guy, it was about size of organization number of butts and seats 
or a technology. Nice. So once you get them to uh, figure out, you know, this is my target, one of the things you do is you help them uh, develop a strategy to get conversations started with their ideal customers. So talk to me about some of the strategies that you've helped your customers develop that actually lead to sales conversations. My belief system is because I'm a media guy, uh, everybody should wrap a media brand around whatever product they're selling. And so when I, when I say that, think of all the things that media companies do, and it's create content to attract audience, it's do podcasts like this, it's webinars, it's events, um, anything that a media company should do, though, that's a potential strategy to attract your best buyer into your ecosystem to, to ultimately monetize that relationship. Let me just add on to that, if I may, because uh, it's not just creating content, whatever that is. It's really having a deep understanding of your customer. What's the content that's going to get them to go, oh, my God, I need to interact with this company. So it's that deep understanding of customer and what their issues are allow you to uh, craft your content around that. Would that be a true statement? Well, if you're doing content marketing on your website to attract them for inbound, then that is the accurate statement. When I say content, uh, what I'm saying is you've got 100 people you want to do business with that are in the right vertical and the right size company. And so let's create an interview series or a podcast or a video series. And what we're going to do is we're going to ask them to participate in it and we're going to pick their brain, create content through them. By doing that, you create a special relationship. By me participating in your podcast, I will have a lifelong relationship with you now. There goes the neighborhood. <laughs> This, the same the same holds true if you invite a prospect to participate they'll they'll appreciate the opportunity they'll they'll get content that they can promote that'll benefit them and now you've got a special bond between the two of you that again allows you to have a different type of conversation about maybe doing business together absolutely i think if uh uh, you're talking to a customer in a sales setting, getting them to really open up and reveal what's really going on. It's an art form and it takes a while to develop that trust. But when you're doing a podcast or an interview thing, there is no pressure on either side and it allows your potential customers to let their guard down and really deeply share what's going on with you. So I think it's a brilliant way, a non-threatening way it to is. build relationships. And, yeah, we, we offer special tips, how do you build credibility quickly? If you're going to create a media brand with no credibility behind you, you've got to have some mechanisms in place to build credibility quickly. So when you ask a really high-value prospect to participate, they look at it and go, absolutely, I'm in, versus what is this thing? Who are these people? Makes perfect sense. So once you've got that relationship with uh, – let's, let's go along with the 100 – at uh, January 2020, we pick 100 customers that if we could get 10 of them this year, it would make it a huge year for us. So we create a strategy to start that dialogue. We've started the dialogue. And then one of the pillars you talked about certainly was strategy, and we've already addressed that. The second one was workflow. Talk to me about how to create an appropriate workflow that'll take that initial conversation and lead it into a sales opportunity. Well, your goal typically is to get a meeting, invite them to an event, or maybe it's even just an online demo. So you have to decide what the end goal is of this strategy, and then the, your workflow is designed to support that. So it could be um, a series of phone calls and emails to invite them to an event or just to get a meeting. Um, you can also add in you know, direct mail pieces, text messaging, um, you know, social media 
connecting on social media, there's a stat that if you have a relationship or you can create a relationship via social media, it increases your odds of a meeting by like 30%. A lot of people don't feel comfortable with social media yet, but it's real. One of my clients, uh, they deal with VPs of sales and they found texting to be highly effective because getting them on the phone is challenging, but sending them a text moves them closer to that sale in uh, powerful, magical ways. Absolutely. You just got to have their cell phone number. There's ways today with services out there that you can actually get anybody's cell phone number that you want. And in the show notes, I'll kind of list some of those. So once we've got that workflow started, and I think another word for workflow is the process, right? The sales process that we're using in this stage of the sales cycle before we get people to say, yes, I'm interested. I think a lot of salespeople hesitate or are repelled by a process because, you know, hey, I'm a sales guy, I'm creative, I don't want to be confined when the reality is quite different, right? When you use a sales process, what are the advantages of that, Greg? Well, the advantage for the leader is transparency. It's, hey, here's the plan, let's execute the plan. And I want to see how many steps in the the plan it takes to get a meeting. Um, From a salesperson standpoint, yes, what you said is accurate, but there's one other component as a lot of them don't like to be have, don't like for it to be known what they're doing or not doing, and so process makes it very transparent right. that maybe they're not doing what they they need to do to be successful. Um, now, the ones that are good at it, they embrace it, they get it, and they do the work. So, again, out of this eighty five percent that don't meet their quotas, bad habits and poor work habits are at the core of a lot of those. 85%. And what I'd like to do as a leader is vet them out sooner rather than later and get them off the team and have a system in place where I can onboard people right into a system that I know works and develop their habits right from the beginning. What's interesting, Craig, is that I'm not sure if you've met God yet, but uh, some of them work at hospitals and they're surgeons. And you know they're the masters of their domain. Their failure rate actually turns out to be quite high. And one of the things that's radically changed it is when they use a oh. checklist during an operation. Medical errors get reduced by foot. Communication errors get reduced by almost 50%. Once they institutionalize checklists, now patient outcomes are, are really good. And the same thing is true for sales. If we don't have a process, it's really hard to diagnose what the problem is. And when we do have a process and we've got, let's say, 10 salespeople using it, and it takes longer to get from step two to step three, then as a group, we can go, what do we need to change to speed that up? But if everyone's doing something different, for the sales manager, it's an impossible task to uh, to fix, right? That, that's absolutely right. And again, when your business is growing, you, know, you can attract through referrals. You can attract through marketing, whether it's content marketing. You got a good inbound flow happening. But one, one, for example, one of my clients used to get 30 leads a day through Facebook, and that's declined significantly. And so their business has changed. So now they need a process to go out and find new clients, where, where, and they've never had to do it. They've been in business over 20 years. You know, so things change, and, and you need to have a process. What I, what I always preach to people is develop your process and have it ready to go. And if you're in a situation where you don't necessarily need to execute the process, that's great. Um, but when you need it, you want to have it there and ready to go. And ideally, it's turnover proof. So it's plug and chug. One rep leaves, another person steps right into the process, and it's repeatable. Again and again and again. Rinse and repeat. Teams should review their process probably on a quarterly basis just to make sure that they're 
still in alignment with what the market really needs. And so once they've got that uh, workflow, that process set, data is critically important. Like who are we calling? What are their numbers? Are they still there? Because things change. So talk to me about data and how can we ensure that we've got the right data to uh, launch a campaign? Well, we, we use, you know, SalesRocket itself has some tools built into it. We call it smart match technology and social media pending. So when you add a prospect to SalesRocket, one of the things I like is you're actually looking at the face of the person that you're selling to. And then the technology goes out and scrapes the internet for phone yes. numbers, cell phones, whatever social media they're looking at. So from a pre-call research standpoint, you have a pretty good sense of what's going on. But I think the reason why data is so important is That's when there's bad point. data. And nothing frustrates a rep more than to have a boss say, hey, here's our plan for next year. Here's our workflow that we're going to build out and I'll get to work. And the first week that they go, half of the prospects that they're calling are out of business so the person doesn't work there anymore. And then they're like, this is ridiculous. So when you launch an initiative, you got to make sure you've got really solid data for the rep. Absolutely, because it's a hard thing to do anyway. And if you uh, compound it with bad data, then of course, people are not going to take the actions we need them to take. Yep. And, and two other quick tools. Uh, one's free. One's called Hunter. And Hunter uh, over, overlays on top of companies' websites, and it'll tell you the, you know, the naming recognitions or, or naming conventions for emails, you know, first initial, last name, at, or first name, dot, last name, at. And, yes. that, and that's really useful. So we just need to get an email. If we punch that email into SalesRocket and it's a bad email, then SalesRocket says, hey, it's a bad email. Don't sell, don't sell this person. Um, the other one is a, is a technology called Seamless.ai. And... It's, it essentially scours the internet even deeper than we do, and I use that all the time to you know, find phone numbers, emails of, of prospects. But there's a ton. There's that a ton is of brilliant. There's no, no more excuses for having bad data. And there's one other uh, tool that's really useful. It's called True People Search. Oh, yeah. And you can get cell phones and all kinds of informations, uh, information for people you're trying to uh, sell to. I was doing a presentation, and I – took the name of everybody in that presentation that was attending and showed them their cell phone number that I had gathered, you know, half an hour before the meeting just by going to that place. Yeah, it's a little spooky. It's all out there. Magical. Then once we've got our the strategy in place, the right data, we've got the right workflow, our people are executing, we need to hold them accountable. What's the best way to hold people accountable so it's not seen as big brother or big sister, but is seen as this is the best way for me to improve. Well, for me, accountability means do what you say that you're do what you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it. And if you're going to fall short, give somebody a heads up. So to me, that's what accountability means. And that's what I've always preached to all my companies and that I've run. And then also for my clients, I give them the same accountability mindset. But when I'm talking about accountability in terms of one of the five pillars, what I'm talking about is the leader needs to know that if they have a strategy, it was executed to the end because you can't tell if the strategy was right. a good strategy if it doesn't get executed. You, if a rep quits halfway through on, on the execution, says this isn't working, okay, was it a bad idea or did the person just not execute? So to me, accountability is in terms of it being one of the pillars of generating new business just means is whatever we decide we're going to do, we're going to actually do it. And we're going to do it in a time frame. also. If you... If you have an outbound campaign to call 100 people and it's supposed to last for 30 days and you let it stretch out over 90 days, 
it's going to be highly ineffective over 90 days. Whereas in 30 days, you'll probably get 15 to 35% meetings out of that. So what's kind of interesting is a lot of times uh, sales leaders roll out new initiatives, but they don't spend a lot of time setting expectations. Company I know, they release the software that records all the sales conversations that salespeople are having. It's also got a webcam that's pointing at the sales rep. Every single sales rep had turned their webcam looking at the ceiling, not at them. And there was a lot of resistance to this technology. And what the owners of the company realized was they didn't set the expectations properly. They re-explained why they've got this software. It isn't to monitor what you're doing per se, but what we want you to do is this week, highlight a call that went exceptionally well, and we're going to review that, and also highlight a call that went sideways. And we can actually discuss what went wrong. As soon as they uh, set the expectations correctly, what ended up happening was they increased the sales of all of their reps by a minimum of 20% because they realized this wasn't a tool to beat them over the head with and punish them, but it was a tool to provide effective coaching to make them better. And so setting expectations for accountability, I think, are critical. Yeah, and that also brings in the fifth pillar, which is oversight. In that particular situation, the oversight was there. Someone was really paying attention and noticed one that the reps were were not being, you know, allowing themselves to be held accountable and stepped in and solved that challenge. The other thing that you want to be able to do is just identify you know, what emails are working. If you've got a sales voice you've created, is it, is it connecting with the person you're targeting? And the only way to do that is to really be laser focused on the sales voice, the outcomes, how long is it taking to execute, you know, things of that sort. So oversight on whatever new initiative you're going to have is crucial. I heard this quote earlier on today, which I really liked, and I don't remember who who it was, so I can't attribute it, but it was basically, if you want to have a good idea, have many ideas. I guess the thought was you can't come up with a brilliant idea all on its own, but if you come up with 50 ideas, one of them is going to be fantastic. And I think the same thing is true for those emails that we that we craft, certainly we're going to do a really good job to try and get the first template out, but then it needs to be an ongoing process to figure out how do we increase the uh, impact of this email by changing headlines and what we're mentioning. And eventually we get to something that's yep. pure gold. The, the danger of the 50 ideas or the, whatever number it was, entrepreneurs are great in that they've got so many ideas and they have so much energy around their ideas, but they also have the idea of the week. And what I, what I coach people is keep the five pillars in front of you. And when you've got a new idea, build it out into the five steps, strategy, workflow, data, accountability, execution, create a new idea, get the last one executed first before you start the second one. Brilliant. One of the things I like about your technology, Craig, uh, Sales Rocket, is that it takes average salespeople and it gives them extraordinary outcomes because they're following a predictable process. They know where they're in that process. Uh, they can review it with their managers and it takes uh, excellent salespeople and it just allows them to focus on what's most important because it takes care of that process for them. Have you found that it's transformed sales teams? It has. It, we, we've had some some significant positive outcomes. And the reason why the five pillars were built is we had some that were not working. And I needed some sort of a mechanism to help these organizations. You know, the technology itself is not going to help you generate new business. But the technology, if used right, will have an amazing outcome for people. And, and so, you know, a new rep, a less experienced rep can step into a system and be super productive in a week or two if the system is built out using some form of 
technology like a sales rack. Brilliant. Craig, thanks so much for coming on the program. And how can people get a hold of you? And how can they take out Sales Rocket for a test drive? Well, if you go to www.salesrocket.com and it's IT uh, versus ET for Rocket, there, there's an About Us page or they can just email me, Craig, C-R-A-I-G at salesrocket.com. And we'll give you a demo. Craig, thanks so much. Uh, Thank you, Umar. This, is, this has been great and uh, love chatting with you at all times. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming, and that is the fastest way to get better results. 